He's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. If you're at lunch, or if you have no appetite, now is a good time to switch off the radio. It will not be pleasant listening. Welcome to the Lawrence Ross Show. You sound a little taller on radio. A two-hour weekly exploration into the mind of a man who calls it like he sees it, but he can't see his audience. So what if I'm blind? At least I don't have to look at your ugly face. Want to mix it up with this guy? Call or text the comment line. 813-602-2715. Pick up a phone and dial that number. Hope you enjoy the program because no refunds will be issued. And we'll do it live. I took a course in Hallelujah. I went to night school for deep blues. Well, I took some stuff that said work. The Lawrence Ross Show. How's it going, everybody? Thank you for tuning in tonight, May 28th, 2021. Give me a call tonight. We'd love to hear from you. 813-602-2715. But first, as is tradition... Tonight is a milestone because it is a very big number for this program, and I'll be getting into that in a little bit. But before I get to anything, just want to say thank you to everybody for tuning into the program tonight. If you would like to call in and chat with me, 813-602-2715. Or if you don't want to do that, you can always call. Uh, send a text to that number or if you want you can even uh, send me a tweet uh, twitter.com forward slash blind lawrence and uh, I'll, I'll be giving out my other social media platforms at the end of the show uh, at the end of the program I don't want I, I, I don't, don't want to be bogging it down every every with every opening part of the program I don't want to keep saying all the laundry list of stuff that I'm on right at the top of the at the top of the program but uh, before I get into that, I just want to say thank you to uh, the people who have liked the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash LRoss1987. <laughs> thank you goes out to Kiki Peanut, uh, just the, jeez, uh, just the, uh, Gosh, ah, oh. you know, unfortunately, I can't pronounce this one. This is a very tough one. Just the, ah, oh, dang it, ah, oh. you know, I kind of had a feeling I would mess this one up. Just the, ah, jeez, oh, oh, it is going to drive me bananas that I can't pronounce this name properly. Uh, but they found me through, uh, uh, through Kiki Peanut, so thank you. 
Uh, I'm terribly sorry that I screwed the name up. I, I, it's, it's very so, some of these names, some of these names that people they either come up with because they're really creative, or or they have to because something happened with their original account, I guess, and they have to alter their name a little bit. So some of these names are a little tough for me to pronounce, and so I'm, I'm uh, so I try I try my best to get the names as accurate as humanly possible. But also thank you to Robert M. Sheldon for liking the page. So up to 461. Thank you, everybody, thus far. And uh, just want to say uh, thank you to uh, the Ham Radio Show. Uh, Forgive me a plug uh, this past Wednesday. It was great chatting with you guys and also to uh, the Kevin Holly Show. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, uh, thank you very much, guys, for having me on. It was a lot of fun. And uh, thanks for helping and getting the word out. And uh, and I, I am in the process of working on something to try and get the name out a little bit more. And uh, what I would eventually like to do is not only uh, get... Well, here's, here's my plan thus far. My plan is to start off with an ad. And then and then after, then after a little bit, hopefully, maybe maybe some coverage by a newspaper with a story. And then possibly... If it's if 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 they if they decide, hey, look, you know, this might be something, then maybe on to some local TV, maybe I don't know, and then who knows where that could go from there, or maybe I don't know, or maybe, or maybe maybe I'm just delusional. I don't know. <laughs> there 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 are some days that even I don't know. <laughs> but, but what I do know, ladies and gentlemen. Is uh, so, so, something that I'm, I'm v- very happy to announce, and that is that, uh, as, as I said at the top of the show, I said that it was a very monumental number, and that is that uh, this program has hit the 500 episode mark as of right now. So again, I just want to say thank you to everybody, and when I do say thank you to everybody, I would like to, you know, uh, uh, I would like to really know. Uh, that I do mean that, and I've been doing podcasting pretty much since pretty much since I got done with high school, and I started out podcasting back in 2006, and it was on a website called SweetFeatheryJesus.com, and I mainly did it just for them, mainly uh, because at that time I didn't know how to upload stuff to iTunes. Well, let me say that back. The only thing I knew to the only thing I knew how to put on my iTunes was my iTunes music library. So I had no idea how to uh, like submit the podcast to iTunes, how to write the RSS feed. I, I, I didn't know how to do that. Because in all fairness, back in the day, it, it, the iTunes and JAWS for Windows were not compatible. I mean, it, 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 it was quite a struggle. But eventually, but, but eventually it got to the point where it was all able to come together. But I did, but anyway, like, but as I said, uh, did a uh, did some podcasts on Sweet Feathery Jesus, and then it kind of tapered off. And then I remember I was hanging out with a friend of mine, Thomas. We were hanging out at my house in around 2009, like the early stages of 09. And I said to him, hey, look, man, one of my goals for this year is to uh, get some sort of a podcast going. He says, all right, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to help you out with that because I think, you know, if, if you want to be in radio, you know, I, I think it would be good if you could have somebody to bounce stuff off of, you know, give, give someone to play off of and all that stuff. And so 
we'd been friends for four years. So, you know, I figure, hey, you know, it seems like a good, you know, it seems like a good enough fit. And so uh, we, we did a couple of episodes. We did a couple of, uh, we did a couple of test episodes and uh, we liked them. But uh, what happened was uh, they, they, they ended up getting lost in the ether because I, 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 I can't remember if. I can't remember if YouTube took them down or 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 if or or if, or if we just deleted them or I don't know what, but uh, yeah. So we we did a couple of episodes then, and then towards the end of the year, we were hanging out, and I decided, and and I said, to him, hey, you know, let let's 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 revisit that podcast thing that we did earlier in the year. He's like, all right, cool, yeah, let's do it. So 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 we started uh, December fourth, two thousand nine, and back then it was called the LRWS because as much as I wanted to be in radio, I also wanted to make sure that I was including my peers within the program. I, I, I wanted to make sure that he was accounted for. So we settled on now, now the LR that that's my name, Lawrence Ross, but the W stands for waterhead. Now I know that sounds like a very pejorative term of which it is. I understand that completely, but he decided to call himself that. He decided to give himself that moniker because he was born with hydrocephalus, aka water on the brain, and he decided and he said that he was going to use that in an ironic sense. He's not making fun of anybody who has hydrocephalus. He's just you know, doing a little self-deprecating humor, which you got which you gotta respect. And then, as time went on, uh, we we uh, um, uh, we started recording more episodes, and we started learning a little bit more about uh, different forms of technology. We also started incorporating other people in the program. Uh, a guy named uh, Matt was with us for uh, four years, and uh, so we so we recorded so we recorded stuff for a very long time, and then in. 2011 the end of 2011 we, we what we used to do is we used to upload the episodes to different platforms because we didn't know how to upload stuff to a website that would host audio files because it was because it was a little tough to find one that was accessible to the blind and all that stuff so we settled on just going through youtube and then some other platforms one of the platforms was called blip.tv which i think which i think is no longer around but that's neither here nor there but we we were uploading stuff on there and then one day we get this message saying to creators hey look if you guys upload stuff that's just audio we're not going to support it you got to have video now so we're like okay what are we going to do now and so thomas says hey look you know you you know uh uh you're a little more connected with people on social media than I am. Maybe you can probably pull a couple of strings. So I reached out to a gentleman by the name of Rob Revere. Rob Revere is a very nice man. And uh, Rob, uh, uh, Rob is, uh, um, uh, uh, we're very grateful to Rob because he gave us server space. He gave us some server space a long time ago. And he, uh, 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 he gave us all the tools that we needed. He uploaded all of our old episodes and then he said, all right, here's how you guys do it, and you should be good from there. And so that's how we did it for many years. And it was a podcast, 
from it was exclusively a podcast until around 2013. I was listening to RazRadioLive.com one evening, and there was a live show going on, and I was checking it out. And one of my friends, a guy named Kevin Harris, messaged me, and he said, "Hey, man, why don't you take your little podcast live?" And I'm like, really? That, that's a bit of a big leap, man. He says, relax, man. If you mess up on the air, that's usually the best part. I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, you got a good idea. You know, you bring up a good point. So he says, yeah. Uh, so I say, okay, uh, who would I contact about this? He says, well, uh, Sean Rapsatella would be a good source. Uh, you know, see if you can get something worked out with him. Uh, so I did. And uh, so I reached out to uh, Sean. And uh, a couple days later, uh, the ink was dried on the deal. And we went live April 12th, 2013, and this program has been on this platform ever since. Uh, we've had some lineup changes over the years, and but uh, but but along the way, uh, uh, along the way, uh, we've 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 had so we've had some very interesting content along the way, such as we've interviewed. Uh, uh, well, some some of these interviews were uh, pre-recorded. Some of them were live, uh, like. Uh, we talked with a guy named Jorg Sprave. He has uh, something called the Slingshot Channel on YouTube, where he makes slingshots out of household items and like Christmas trees and stuff like that. He's, he's a very interesting guy. He's, he's, out, he's out of Germany. And then it well, and and, and the and the other and the and the other wait wait uh, I, you know I I like to go chronologically when I tell these uh, kind of stories. And the thing I neglected to uh, mention was and. Uh, I would like to give a very special shout out to uh, a friend of mine, Dave Cunningham, who is currently in Guatemala at the moment, enjoying himself. Dave, shout out to you, man. And uh, Dave got and 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 uh, in January of 2013, I went on my social media. I'm like, hey, look, I'm looking to get a mixing board for the podcast I do. The reason why was because whenever we would be talking about something. It would just be us talking about it and say there was a news clip or something I wanted to play at that time. Like we'd be talking about something and I was and, and I'd think, man, that would be a good time to put in a drop of like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, like, like, like if uh, like we were talking about like a guy at a shooting range, that would be a good time to play the gun drop sound effect. Well, I did. Well, not not having the mixing board mean would that would mean that what I would have to do is I would have to record the episode, then put the episode in the audio uh, into Audacity, go through the episode, find the spot where I talk about it, and then manually insert the sound effect, mix it in, all that stuff. And so it it was it was it was I mean like it was I mean it was it was good for what it was at the time, but after a while it it, it got a little tedious. So I want to send a shout out to uh, Dave. Thank you, Dave, for helping me pick out uh, the mixing board, which I still have to this day, and the microphone, which I still have to this day. And uh, just uh, thank you very much for your time and your patience, man. Uh, but uh, more importantly, thank you to Sean Raspatello for giving us a platform. And uh, oh gosh, and and and. Uh, uh, so, and some of the other guests that we've, uh, some of the other interviews we've had on this program uh, include a uh, political activist, uh, Sarah Slayman, who 
one day she was testifying in front of uh, some Congress, uh, some Congress people from Texas uh, about an abortion bill. And she's up there passionately giving her stance and about minute half, minute 45, however long into her, however long into her, into her speech, she gets cut off and she gets dragged away. We, uh, we had her on the program, uh, and a little later on down the line, we, uh, uh, we, we, uh, 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 I consider it to be quite the blessing because we had on, uh, because we've had on Phil Hendry, radio personality, who for any of the new people out there, uh, I tend to mention Phil frequently on this program. And Phil is one of my biggest inspirations to get into radio because he's, he's so good at it. And he's, he still does it to this day, man. He, he he's, he's great. And, uh, also, we've talked with a guy named uh, Uncle Kage. Uh, he has a YouTube channel. Uh, uh, he's a doctor, and it—it's uh, it, just been—it's just been just so—it's been so amazing just having the support of just various people. They say, uh, "Well, uh, well, <clears throat> I should probably start. Up, I should probably start up by uh, saying thank you." Uh, and my parents uh, and my family uh, for their support of my dream to get into radio. Uh, but I uh, just want to say thank you to uh, the people who I've uh, collaborated with in regards to this program. Uh, Thomas, uh, Matthew, uh, Ryan out of Connecticut, uh, Marcy, who now resides in California. And just, and just, and just thank everybody who has if you've checked out the program live, if you've checked out the program on podcast, uh, just, just uh, thank you, everybody. I mean, just it's like I I, 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 don't know what else to say. And you know, you gotta take a plug any way that you can. And uh, and uh, this 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 is this is a, this, is a, this, is a, this is a very special clip uh, uh, to me. Uh, and I know I've played it before, but I'm definitely going to play it again because it, it is it, it is an endorsement. And even though she wasn't able to say, "Hey, check them out on this site, this site," because of uh, time constraints and stuff, I mean, at least at, at, at least it got at least at least the message. Uh, hopefully, it got out to the right people. And I just want to say thank you very much. Uh, to the YouTuber Trisha Paytas for the endorsement in Denver. Here is uh, here's that excerpt. This is Blind Lawrence, by the way. He has an internet radio show. He is blind, and his name is Blind Lawrence, and I love it. It's his Twitter handle, so he's everything. Um, I love you. Uh-huh. You're everything. He's good at impressions. I met him before the show. Uh, he's just so great. So it just so just sorry, I'm getting a little emotional here. Uh, so. Again, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has checked out the program. And, you know, I have, I don't have any other words for it other than, well, you know, I'm probably going to need a little bit of a breather here. So just bear with me. I'll be back in about three minutes, 58 seconds. Yeah, I, I, I know that's, I know it's a little unconventional, but I just... I'm just so grateful to everyone who has checked out the show in you know whatever capacity. If you've bought merch, or if I've 
you know, or if I have supplied you with merch, thank you. And, uh, well, I'll just, uh, well, I'll be back. But uh, uh, for now, I'm just, well, for now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to let Natalie Merchant do the talking for me. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so humble. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And hopefully, hopefully from this point on out, I can grow and I'm just, thank you. Just. I'll be back in, in a few. Thank you.
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> okay. <sighs> you know, I actually, you know, <sighs> kind of needed that. All right. Okay. Now, on to, all right. Now, back to regular business. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, personal recap. So, Friday after the show, basically just uh, re-listen to the show for uh, quality purposes. And Oh, wait a minute. Uh, dang it. Uh, jeesh. Hold on a minute. Uh, dang it. Ah, oh, son of a... Ugh, dang it. You know, I... You know, I, I, sh- I should have anticipated this because... You know, it's Memorial Day weekend and, you know, these guys are just... Hold on a minute. Oh, yes, yeah, Stewie, what do you want? Oh, jeesh. Hey, man, uh, there was a nice tribute you did there. Here, uh, you want a tissue? Thanks. Uh, but look, I gotta call you out on something, man. What? Why? Something you said last week during the, uh, 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 during when you were coming back, uh, uh, when you were coming back from the interlude? Mm-hmm. What, uh, what, what, what happened? What happened? <laughs> well, just listen to this, man, and tell me what's wrong with this sentence right here. The Lawrence Ross Show. How's it going, everybody? Thank you for tuning in tonight. 813-602-2715. Hope you guys enjoyed that. That was Outshine by Soundgarden. Played that because this past Tuesday was the passing of Chris Cornell. Man, that guy could sing. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on a minute, man. Mr. Radio Guy. Uh-huh. You said that Tuesday was the anniversary of his pa- uh, uh, you said that Tuesday, you said that the previous Tuesday was his passing. Yeah. Didn't you mean to say the four-year anniversary of his passing, man? I mean, my goodness, man. What's next with you? Are you going to say that Donald Trump is still in the White House? All right, man. So I, so, so I, so I, so I, so you, so you lift, so you lift off the four year anniversary part, man. You got to kind of throw that one in there. You know, people can Google that, man. You're totally wrong on that one. He didn't die in 2021. He died in 2017. I got it, man. Jeez. Gosh. Right in my butt today. Ew. Ew. Is it, uh, is that Norfolk? Oh, God, no, no, man, no, 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 I'm, 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 I'm not saying, ugh, look, dude, just, just settle down, all right, just settle down, okay, all right, just settle down, I'll get you and the guys hooked up with your, uh, snacks, uh, oh, gee, oh. hang on, <laughs> what do you guys want, man? <laughs> Yaddy, pornography, <laughs> that'd be cool, <laughs> uh, you got any nachos? <laughs> yeah, dude, I got nachos in the pantry. Cool. <clears throat> and but I don't get any, but I don't have any pornography. <clears throat> this sucks. <clears throat> Guys, just settle down, all right? I just like okay, just just settle down because, uh, uh, just settle down because I got Jim Rome coming here in a little bit. Because uh, uh, he's got to talk about sports, and I got to talk about some sports, and then, uh, and then, uh, and then people are gonna tune out. I don't know, um, but uh, yeah. So Friday just did that, and then Saturday, uh, and then Saturday just hung out and just uh, 
listen to the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning game, which I'll be commenting on in a little bit. And uh, Sunday was uh, laundry day, and uh, work's been work, really. So not all that much else. Just uh, and 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 I've been trying and 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 I've been coming up with some ideas on how to uh, promote the uh, the program. Uh, uh, so uh, we're gonna see where that goes, and all that stuff. All right. Well, I know I mentioned him a little bit a few seconds ago, but uh, let's uh, bring him in right. Uh, let me bring him in here right now. Hold on. Bring him in. Come on in, man. All right. Thank you very much. All right, hang on a second. Hang on. Hang on. Hold on. Hold on a second. Hang on a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hang on. Hang on. Where's, hang on. Where's my... Uh... Oh, shoot. Hang on. Hey. Hold on. Hey, Jim. Yeah. Got a pen? What do you need a pen for, man? I got to write down what the guys want from uh, from the pantry. Why would you write it down, man? So they're able to see it, you know, so, so I can show them their orders and make sure I don't mess them up. Right, okay. Yeah, where, 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 where's, where's, where's that pen? Where's that dang pen at? Where the heck is it? Uh, hold on. Where's that damn pen? <laughs> you know, it's it's never, you know, it's never where you want it, you know? You know, I put, you know, I put the thing back in the damn drawer and now I can't find the damn thing. Son of a... <laughs> the hell? <laughs> Oh man, this is crazy. This is so crazy. I had that damn thing laying around the other day. No, I had it. No, I don't know where the heck it went. Ah, jeez. Alright, alright, alright. You know what? Screw it. Screw it, I'm not... Oh, hang on a second. Hang on. Hang on. Screw it, I'm not writing it down. Just, 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 just tell me what you guys want. Y'all take some, uh... Yeah, you some of those uh, hot fries. Okay, hot fries for you. Got root beer? Oh, yeah, definitely got root beer. And uh, what do you want, man? Uh, you got any nachos? Yeah, man, they're in the pantry. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. All right, guys. All right. Uh, all, right. all right, I'm going to take care of y'all. And uh, here's Jim. Take it away, Romy. Thank you very much for the praise, man. From Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. What is up? A tremendous Friday to each and every one of you in the jungle. I am Jim Rome in Los Angeles. But you know, I'm not. I'm actually here in Leavenworth. Having to sub on some dude's podcast. Wow. What is up with that? Now I have to do work on Podcast Guy. Podcast Guy show. That, that That's what this is. Podcast Guy. All right. Want to comment real quick. What's been going down in regards to sports world. Very disgusting display, by the way, clones. Not from you guys, but from some other people within the fandoms. Of not only Philadelphia but also New York. It's it it's it's it is very disgraceful, clones and clones. Save me all of your emails with your hot butter popcorn smack. All right, hey Alvy, Alvy, don't you do it, man. Don't you hit that button, man. Come on, dude. I'm not playing around. 
Don't hit that button. Uh, all right, fine. Clones, I'm not reading your hot butter popcorn smack about Russell Westbrook getting popcorn chucked on him. All right, not doing it. All right, here's an email. Dear Ben Smack, thanks for the play on Russell Westbrook's dome. Signed, Jiffy Pop and Pop Secret. Tyler in Texas. Tyler, you're blocked. Block! Block! That will get you ran quicker than any sort of hack-off call. That was bad, man. That was real bad. All right. Another email here. Hey, Ben Smack. Let me just say this right now. Buttery popcorn doesn't make for good shampoo. Signed, Russell Westbrook. All right, Taylor and Austin, you're blocked. Block! Block! And turn that music off, Alvy. Seriously, man. My goodness. All right. Just want to say right now that... Let me just say this to Philly fan right now. Hey, Philly fan, you stay classy, all right? Let's not forget that Philly fan is also the kind of guy who will boo Santa Claus. How do you like that? All right, it's 1968. It's a nice day outside. It's a real cold day outside. And Santa Claus is on the field. And what does Philly fan do? Philly fan boos him. Because Philly fans, a lot of you, you know, a lot of you clones in Philly, you know, a lot of you guys are great people. But some of you clones just have no class whatsoever. It is just, it is, it is absolutely classless to throw popcorn at Russell Westbrook, especially after he leaves the game with an ankle injury. I mean, what is that all about? And clones, save me your if he was a horse. All right, you know what? Fine. Just to satisfy all you clones, I'm going to go through this one email, and I'm going to block this guy because his joke isn't funny, and it's just it's, it's very tasteless. Here's what he writes. Dear Ben Smack, if Russell Westbrook were at the Kentucky Derby, he would have had a 45 caliber bullet right through his head. Signed, Alex Rodriguez. All right. Daryl in Tennessee, you're blocked. And that was not a funny joke at all. I only hit the gunshot sound effect because I pulled up the wrong one. All right. But I'm just saying, man. That joke sucked, and as a result, you're blocked. Block! Block! In regards to all these fans, in regards to Philly fan or New York fan getting out of line, and not only throwing popcorn at Russell Westbrook, but also chucking an oyster at Trey Young during a pandemic, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, which is not good, it just screams of self-entitlement. That's all it does. It just screams of... Self-entitlement. There's only one clone in the jungle who has the entitlement factor around here, and that is Eric in Falls Church. My man, Eric. Getting his email read with Loser by Beck playing in the background. My man, Eric. Trying to get in the hack off, but only his emails are hitting the radar. Say clones. How many times does this happen to you? It's 10.30 a.m. at work, and already you got that crashing feeling. Well, don't worry, because you can take 5-hour energy or extra-strength 5-hour energy. It comes in a 2-ounce bottle 
All you gotta do, open it up, pop the top, chug it back, and you're back to business. You're feeling better than you already did. You're at 110%, you're at 120%. No, check that. You're at 150% when you drink 5-Hour Energy or Extra Strength 5-Hour Energy. Get more information at 5-HourEnergy.com. Coming up in the next 10 minutes, after the break, going to be talking with the man Russell Westbrook. Talk to him about that incident. Tip Rub Show. All right, welcome back to the Lawrence Ross Show. Yeah. There we go. All right, takes care of that. All right, guys, uh, got your uh, snacks here. And, uh, oh, hang on a second. Uh, oh, uh, you guys want to uh, comment on the, uh, you guys want to comment on the song? All right. All right. Let's, let's do it then. Hell, let's do it. <clears throat> All right, hang on. Hang on. Stand by. Hang on. Hang on, I got to distribute the snacks here. Hold on. All right, all right. Who got the uh, the hot fries? Okay, yeah, you. All right. Okay, the root beer and uh, the nachos. All right, cool. All right, everyone's set. All right, here we go. Uh, this is the checkers game where grandson <laughs> and granddad will bomb. Change it. This sucks. The kitchen, where the new boy. It's a pre-roll ad, man. I I I I can't. I I I got to. Uh, I I I gotta uh, I, I I gotta wait for it to clear out, man. Uh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, really. <clears throat> uh, sick of hot and stuffy rooms during <laughs> summer? This high school <laughs> physics teacher built a device to give America cost-free aircon. What a and he dork. just destroyed the billion-dollar aircon industry in the process. What a dumbass! The device that <laughs> pumps out high school air for barely a dime. He said, and at pump. This rate, every home in America will have this device by 2024." Here's how. The story began nine months ago. Uh, Vincent. This guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, me. Change it. All right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> hey, Beavis. He's that dumbass with little puppets and stuff. Yeah, really. Puppets are cool. Uh, no, they're not. But wipe. <laughs> <laughs> I got puppets. Master of puppets. Master of puppets. <laughs> Shut up, Beavis. Dumbass. <laughs> this is Metallica. This is cool. This is Metallica. One hole. <laughs> this is that Beck guy. <laughs> oh, really? Isn't he like that? That Beck guy always yells at people, tells them to get their phone and stuff. That guy rules. <laughs> No, Bart Mucker. That's that radio guy who, like, uh, like, he, like, yells about, like, the party with the elephants or something. <laughs> elephants are cool. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Beavis. Remember that one time when we were at the zoo and that elephant took a big dump? Yeah, yeah. That was really cool. <laughs> yeah. And then Van Drazen had to clean it up. <laughs> yeah. That was really cool. <laughs> hey, Beavis, check it out. He's a loser just like you. Shut up, Fartmucker. I'm gonna kick you in the ass. <laughs> Shut up, Beavis. <laughs> Ow, devil. All right, guys, settle down. Sheesh. 
All right, all right. All right, turn that off, jeesh. I, I, I don't want to... How do I get in trouble for, your, for playing copyright music, man? All right. 813-602-2715. Uh, but I want to comment on this whole thing with uh, Russell Westbrook and with what happened to... Uh, 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 Trey Young. It is just—it's incredibly classless. It's absolutely classless. For it's—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's one thing to not like a you know an, an athlete or whoever, but it is completely out of line to throw popcorn with butter. Or throw anything on the guy if it's like you know if, if it's if it's totally without warning. It's just it's 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 totally dehumanizing. Uh, uh, it's it's totally it's 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 embarrassing to not only the athlete but what 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 these do do these do these quote unquote fans not realize that. They're just embarrassing themselves when they do stuff like this. When they when, when they when, when they do stunts like this, do they not realize that they are just not only embarrassing, you know, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment to the fandom as a whole. And we want and you and people often wonder why Philly fan gets a bad rap. Why a lot of these fans get a horrible reputation because some of these fans they again they have this entitlement factor they feel that they're able to just do as they please i mean what happened to russell westbrook is pretty bad as a matter of fact here's here's a clip of him talking about the game uh talking about the incident at a post-game press conference and the unnamed fan has since been banned indefinitely uh from ever attending any sort of philadelphia 76ers uh event and rightfully so so here's that excerpt with uh, that incident with the fan? Well, I don't know, bro. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I was leaving out and then I just seen so popcorn on top of my head, you know. Um, and to be blatantly honest, man, this shit is getting out of hand, uh, especially for me. Um, just the amount of disrespect, the amount of just fans just doing whatever the fuck they want to do. It's just it's out of pocket, man. <laughs> it's out of pocket. And and he, and, he, and he basically just goes on just to restate his claim over and over again. And he has every right to be mad. He absolutely does. I side with him. Totally. And, and of course... And of course, when this came up, of course, everybody was mentioning uh, what happened with Ron Artest. Ron Artest, back in 2004, uh, there was uh, uh, there was an event. Uh, it was Indi- It was the Indiana. It, it was it was Indianapolis versus uh, Detroit. There was like 40 some seconds left in the game. One fan from the stands takes a cup of beer, throws it in the general direction of Ron Artest, hits him. And Ron Artest goes into the stands, finds the fan, and beats the living tar out of him. Next thing you know, it's an all-out brawl. People are getting ejected. People are getting, you know, things are getting out of hand. Here's the really weird thing. Now, Ron Artest, who has changed his name to Metal World Peace, he and that guy are now friends. I don't think I could be friends with somebody who 
just arbitrarily chucked a cup of beer on me just out of nowhere. I mean, you know, I mean, I used to go to, I mean, you know, I used to go to night, cl- I mean, you know, uh, back in my 20s, I used to go out to, uh, 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 I used to go out to the bar a couple of times. Uh, 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 I used to go out to the bars, local bars, and there'd be a couple of times where, you know, there'd be a couple of times where I'd be walking and somebody would spill a drink on me. Not, 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 not intentional, of course. And of course, you know, you know, I wouldn't get mad about it, but it's just like, it's just like, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not exactly what I would call a, 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 a good conversation starter, you know, it's not, 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 not what we're looking for here. Uh, but, uh, and then, and, and the other thing, uh, the, the, the other incident people were talking about with Trey Young, Trey Young's just hanging out doing his thing in a New York game. All of a sudden, some fan just hawks a loogie, you know, just hawks a loogie, and 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 here's the really wild thing: it traveled over, uh, it traveled past Fifty Cent, aka Curtis Jackson, and it hit uh, Trey Young, and that fan has been banned for life. And and they were making the point on on Sports Talk Radio yesterday and on First Take with Stephen A. Smith. The argument was during the pandemic, which getting spat on during any time period is bad with a pandemic with with the pandemic it's even worse it's 10 times worse and, and it's assault and it's just it's 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 a problem it's a huge problem and the, the, the other thing to uh, factor in is that uh, well well just uh, if, uh well it does give me a chance to play uh, this old bit i did about 50 cent back in 2015 now i'm only playing this because he he happened to be caught up in the crossfire and i think he has since gotten his financial affairs back in order but back in 2015 the guy filed for bankruptcy so uh, uh so, so i cooked up this little idea it's a takeoff on his song pimp and it's called b-r-o-k-e and hope you guys enjoy it this is the Lawrence Ross Show. We can put that check in a money market mutual fund. Then we'll reinvest the earnings into foreign currency accounts with compounding interest, and it's gone. I don't know what you heard about me. I used to roll with G-Unit and DRE. But man, my bank account is empty. Hey, I'm fucking B-R-O-K-E. I don't know what you heard about me. I used to roll with G-Unit and DRE. But now my bank account is empty Hey yo, I'm fucking B-R-O-K-E Used to be the man popping all the fucking bottles Now to make cash gotta be a bottom bitch and swallow Used to stay up all night with Dre smoking tree Don't know what am I doing, now I'm out 50 G's Remember when I wrote that song about the candy shop That Lil Wayne bitch stole that line about the lollipop He ain't nothing but a little syrup drinking bitch And when I see him, gonna cap him with my fucking clear I can't believe it, yo, I used to be in the zone But now I can't even pay for a damn iPhone yeah, I was locked up, I did time in the slammer But now I'm broke like that bitch ass MC Hammer I can't believe that I fucked up and I did this shit Don't even have enough money to help out my kids I did not pay attention when I got my GED Cause I don't know shit about FDIC I don't know what you heard about me I used to roll with G-Unit and DRE But man, my bank account is empty Hey, I'm fucking B-R-O-K-E 
I don't know what you heard about me. I used to roll with G Unit and DRE, but now my bank account is empty. Hey, yo, I'm fucking BR, okay, e. We can just put that into your retirement account and make it go to work for you, and it's gone. We can just transfer money from your account into a portfolio with your son, and it's gone. This line is for people who have money with the bank only. Please step aside. You listen back on that one. I, I don't know. I probably could have done a little better on that one because whenever I do parodies and stuff, I try to stay as true to the original formatting. And just that song, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I, I got, I don't know. I, I, I got, uh, uh, I don't know. I got caught up in the moment, I guess. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I lost track at like that last part. But either way, I, you know, I mean, you know, it's an okay bit. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. Now, uh, just want to comment real quick on a couple of things. And then I want to play a uh, little thing that's going to tie in with uh, Memorial Day. Uh, the, the next, uh, uh, I just want to get through a couple of things and then a little Memorial Day, uh, thing. But anyway, uh, so, uh, saw this, uh, uh, in regards to, uh, some celebrity news, just real quick. I saw that, uh, recording artist Demi Lovato has now come out and said, uh, that complimenting somebody's weight loss is just as harmful as complimenting somebody's weight gain. I respectfully disagree on that, and I am going to refer to Demi, Lof- uh, uh, to Demi Lovato as her and or she. The reason why is because I'm not going to cowtail to the individuals who insist that you refer to uh, you refer to him or her now as they slash them because I saw this thing that said Demi Lovato talks to us about their new record it's like that doesn't make any sense it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense and I was thinking about this today when you're in conversation with someone and say you bring up a certain group of people like I don't know um say I don't know say you're in a conversation with someone and let's say somebody says ah skateboarders Somebody just says, ask skateboarders. And then somebody in the conversation is bound to say, oh, well, you know, I don't like what they represent. Do these people not realize that by just using that word they to describe a certain group of people, do they not realize just how pernicious that is? Just that's that's I think that's worse than using a derogatory term. I think it's a way for people to try and hide try and hide under the cloak of well i'm not saying an offensive term but i'm going to say the word they to lump them all in and paint with a very broad brush which i think is just as dangerous which is just as problematic but that's just me saw this other article that said uh, bill cosby has been denied parole the reason why is because he's now refused to attend uh sexual uh, uh uh a sexual therapy program and he is still denying that he did anything wrong. And I have two elements here about Bill Cosby. One of them is in the archives. It's known as Cosby Flavored Pudding Pops. And shout out to Bobby Pugh for helping me out with this one. And there's, uh, and then that's going to go right into a little remix that I did of the Creed song, My Own Prison. Um, I was inspired to do it because the day that Cosby was found guilty, 
uh, there was an article that come out, uh, there was an article that came out saying that Cosby flipped out in the courtroom and started cursing. So, so I went to YouTube hoping I could find it, but I couldn't find it. So I just uh, uh, so, so I so I just so I just landed on uh, a clip of a guy just explaining all explaining the charges, and so I decided to uh, do a little remix of uh, that, and so. You're going to hear Cosby Flavored Pudding Pops, followed by the My Own Prison remix. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about what I got coming up, which will lead into a little Memorial Day thing I have. So this is the Lawrence Ross Show, and I'll be back, and I'll be with you in about, oh, I'd say about three minutes or so. Stand by. Thanks for listening, everybody. Coming soon to a grocery store near you, it's the brand new dessert that's sweeping the nation, Cosby Flavored Pudding Pops. Made with one package of Jell-O chocolate instant pudding, two cups of milk, one cup of thawed Cool Whip topping, and two crushed up Quaaludes. Great one of the most inviting desserts you've ever tasted. Don't take our word for it. Just listen to these testimonials from our satisfied customers. It used to be if I wanted to sneak out of work, I'd actually have to communicate with my boss. Now when I give him a Cosby flavored pudding pop after lunch, I can take the afternoon off and play nine holes at the local country club. Hey, Jenkins! Where's that expense report? I got your expense report, you bastard. Voice altered to protect identity of customer. My kids were always running around, breaking windows and riding the family dog like a pony. Thanks to Cosby flavored pudding pops, those little brats are asleep after dinner and I can watch the game in peace. Cosby flavored pudding pops are not only great for people with hectic lives, but they're also great for date night. Hey, baby. What do you say after dessert? We do a Jerry Maguire porno movie. I dress up like Bob Sugar, and you dress up like Rod Tidwell. You are such a Jay Moore, Mark. Oh, come on now, baby. Don't be like that. Here, let me show you my popsicle. Hey, Sugar, before we get it on, does this Dr. Huxtable sweater smell like chloroform? I'll take that as a yes. Cosby flavored pudding pops. Available soon for just 30 cents a package. The breaking verdict in the Bill Cosby sexual assault retrial. The jury in Pennsylvania, they're handing down a verdict of guilty. Quarters in session. A verdict is in. Guilty. Guilty. No appeal on the docket today. Just my own sin. Penetration without consent. Without consent. The walls cold and pale. The cage made of steel. Aggravated, indecent, and salt. Screams fill the room. I drop in deep. Three accusers in the room burst into tears. So Bill Cosby is now a convicted sex offender. Accused of drugging and sexually assaulting Andrea Constant, a former director of operations for the women's basketball team at Temple University. See a vision of a cross I feel the pain that was given on a sad day of loss Cosby leaned his head down Lion rolls in the darkness, only he holds peace Took a deep breath and closed his eyes the light to free me from my burden and bring me life eternally I'm free, yeah, I'm free, yeah, I'm free, yeah, I'm free. 
more women testify with similar accounts. Bill Cosby found guilty by a Pennsylvania jury in his retrial on sexual assault is now a convicted sex offender. The Lawrence Ross Show. Uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to uh, lead you all into a little uh, thing I'm going to be doing about Memorial Day. And uh, this is going to and it's going to kick off with uh, uh, it's going to kick off with uh, something a little fun that I found, which will which will go right into uh, the interlude. And then uh, uh, I'll have more after this. But uh, so just to uh, just, just give everyone a little, little, little setup as to what you're going to be hearing in a second here. Uh, this, this is an element uh, that was uh, produced uh, uh, on a radio program called The Fiasco. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a radio show back in the day in Orlando, Florida. It's still around, but the guard has changed. All right. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Uh, the guard has changed over the years, and uh, uh, and uh, for a while, they had a gentleman who was on. Uh, 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 they had a gentleman who was a part of the program, a guy named C.J. Goodearl, very talented guy, really good with uh, impersonations, and this is one element that he did, uh, where it's a send up of uh, it's a send up of Tom Brokaw, and uh, he does a little thing about Memorial Day, and. Just relax. It's very tasteful. And then that will lead into the interlude. And then I'll be on and then I'll be back on the other side with more content. This is the Lawrence Ross Show, celebrating five hundred episodes and counting. Again, thank you very much, everybody. And I'll be back after this. Thank you for listening. This is Tom Broca, and that's today. We're live inside a slaughterhouse to investigate the practice of making sure there's plenty of meat for America's backyard barbecues this Memorial Day. Normally, the cows wouldn't be herded in and brutally pummeled with baseball bats, but Americans are feeling very patriotic this year, and nothing says America like gorging yourself on a two-inch thick chart hunk of bloody rare cow flesh. So better up. The air is thick with the stench of death as the butchers beat their meat like you wouldn't believe. It's like watching Perry Bonds face a grammar school girls slow pitch softball team. Wow, he got all of that one. What does this mean to you? Plenty of tender, juicy, grade A meat to sink your teeth into as we honor those that fought for this country so we can enjoy the freedom to beat the holy shit out of some helpless cows whenever we please. I'm Tom Brokaw. Good night. He doesn't have a license to drive. Only in this country do they let blind people drive. He's never even driven a Titleist. Those clubs don't care whether they're striking a Titleist or Dr. Ted Nelson's skull. What in the hell? This is the Lawrence Ross Show. You suck! You may talk of gin and beer when you're stationed way out here, and you're sent to penny fights in altar shot but when it comes to slaughter, you'll do your work for water, and you'll lick the bloomin' boots of him that's got it. Now 
going into sunny clime Where I used to spend my time Serving Her Majesty the Queen Of all the black-faced crew The finest man I knew Was Regimental Beastie Gungadeen uniform he wore was nothing much before and rather less than half of that behind but a piece of twisty rag and a goatskin water bag was all the field equipment he could find when a sweating troop train lay in a siding through the day where the heat would make your blooming eyebrows crawl we shouted Harry by till our throats were bricky dry Then whopped him cause he couldn't serve us all He would dot and carry one till the longest day was done Never seemed to know the use of fear If we charged or broke or cut, you could bet your bloomin' nut Waiting fifty paces right flank rear with his mossick on his back, he would skip to our attack And watch us till the bugles made retire And for all his dirty hide, he was white, clear white inside When he went to tend the wounded under fire It was Dean, Dean, Dean With bullets kicking dust spots on the green And when the cartridges ran out you could hear the front files shout Send ammunition mules and gungadeen I shan't forget the night When I fell behind the fight With a bullet where my belt plate should have been I was choking mad with thirst And the man that spied me first Was a good old grinning grunt and gungadeen up my head and he plugged me where I bled and he gave me half a pint of water green it was crawling and it stunk and of all the drinks I've drunk I'm most grateful to the one from Gunga Dean he carried me away to where a dually lay and a bullet came and drilled the beggar clean just before he died I hope you like your drink, said Gunga Dean So I'll meet him later on In the place where he has gone Where it's always double drill and no canteen He'll be squatting on the coals Giving drinks to poor damned souls I'll catch a swig in hell from Gunga Dean it was Dean, 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 you Lazarusian leather Gunga Dean. Though I belted you and flayed you by the living God that made you, you're a better man than I am. Gunga Dean. of the show has more than likely finished up something he zapped in the microwave. Let me have a Diablo sandwich of Dr. Pepper. Make it fast. I'm gonna goddamn hurry. Or maybe he's polished off a beverage. Like a pack of root beer. He's back behind the microphone with more content. Brilliant! This is the Lawrence Ross Show.
Lawrence Ross Show. How's it going, everybody? 813-602-2715. That was Jim Croce with Gunga Dean. Or Gunga Din, I should say. Very, very underrated performance by him. And as a matter of fact, that actually... That was actually, that was not an original song by him, but it was rather, it's rather a poem. And the poem was written by Rudyard Kipling, who also wrote The Jungle Book and also How the Camel Got Its Hump. And, sorry about that. Um, And uh, the point of the poem is to basically say that you know, he he, tr- he treated uh, um, e- e- even even though he may have treated this individual a certain way, he still valued him. <clears throat> so there's that. Now, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what with it being Memorial Day uh, coming up on Monday, and uh, I've done this normally at the top of the show, but uh, decided to move it to the second hour uh, for this year anyway. Uh, because of the 500 episode milestone, uh, wanted to uh, uh, wanted to get that taken care of first. Uh, but, uh, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, just uh, something you should know is that uh, um, uh, I have a great deal of respect for veterans. Uh, my dad, is, uh, my dad was a Vietnam veteran. Uh, he's still around, and uh, I just uh, well, it's, you know, it's uh, you know, <clears throat> it's the least I can do. So this, uh, so what you're gonna hear right now, is a 21 gun salute followed by taps, and then uh, then a little thing in regards to guarding the tomb of the unknown soldier. So here now is the 21 gun salute followed by taps. Here we go.
And now, ladies and gentlemen, here are some facts about guarding the tomb of the unknown soldier. The guard is supposed to take exactly 21 steps in his walk around the tomb. The reason for this is an allusion to the 21-gun salute, which happens to be the highest honor that can be bestowed on a military or foreign person. When he has to turn around and start his return walk, he must pause for 21 seconds. The reason for this is the same as the first. His gloves must be wet, and this is done in order to prevent his gun from falling down from his gloved hands. The guards are changed every half an hour for 24 hours a day for each and every day of the year. The guard walking the tomb must always carry the rifle on his outside shoulder or the shoulder facing the other side of the tomb. The guards have to commit two years of their lives to guarding the tomb. They have to live in a barracks directly under the tomb. Their height must be between 5 feet 10 inches and 6 feet 2 inches. Their waist size must not be more than 30 inches. They cannot drink alcohol, swear in public, or disgrace the uniform in any way for the rest of their lives. For the first six months, the guard cannot talk to anyone or watch TV. Once two years of service are up, they are given a reef pin that signifies their duty. We must remember that this tomb is of national importance to all the countries that it is erected in, and people must respect this tomb at all costs. The price of freedom is paid in the form of lives of soldiers, and in the case of soldiers, dead and unknown, these tombs are the only way to recognize their sacrifice, and that's why this tomb has such great national importance. Reading these facts, one can only get a brief idea about the true extent of the significance of this symbol of commemoration. So there you go with that. I, I really, you know, as a uh, as a civilian, I really can't say all that much else. I really can't. But uh, I do honor the men and women who have served our country, both uh, in past and the present. And it's just, it is, it is, yeah, the, 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 the sacrifices that they make and it's it's very you know it's it's very it's really upsetting sometimes. Well, actually, every time I hear about this happening, it just it 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 greatly upsets me because here we have people who are supposed to be supportive of our veterans, and yet the sad thing is not all veterans are treated with respect. Uh. Uh. <clears throat> One of the people who we've interviewed on the show is a gentleman by the name of Justin Jordan. And I've not met Justin in person, but we've interacted via social media. And I first, I was first made aware of Justin back when I used to listen to the Bubba the Love Sponge program. When I was part of the program uh, uh, about, yeah, this is about 10 years ago. Well, I'm just going to let the story uh well, well, I uh, uh, I tracked down the original news clip about this, and uh, I'm gonna uh, and I'll try and fill in the blanks as uh, best as I can. So uh, even the even though this is from 2011, it's still very upsetting to know that stuff like this, unfortunately, still happens to this very day. I mean, if you Google veteran discriminated against with service dog. You will just find hundreds of articles about restaurants not honoring veterans, kicking them out, calling the cops. It's, it's, it's a horrible scene. And this is just one of many countless examples. Here it is. 
A real rancho man says a local Hooters violated his rights after trying to kick him out. Police are siding with the man. As they should. As they totally should. And I, and I teased on social media that I said that Justin Jordan has inspired me. And he has inspired me to never want to set foot in a Hooters restaurant ever again as long as, I, as long as I'm on this planet. Because I went to Hooters once, long before this happened. I went to Hooters for the first time in 2007. And it was, and it's the last time I'm ever going to go. And I probably would have gone, I probably would have gone back, but it's just that for me, the food, I don't think it tasted all that great. That's just me. The, the food didn't taste all that great, and it, it, it wasn't really all that exciting for me. But anyway, getting back to the uh, story. Here we go. A real rancho man says a local Hooters violated his rights after trying to kick him out. Police are siding with the man and told management of Hooters that he is protected by federal law. There you go, right there. Federal law. So... So, ignoring the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990, I think should have a little bit more of a stringent penalty, but again, I don't make the laws. But it's just, it's sad because here's a guy with a service dog and they treat him like garbage. Eddie Garcia got to the bottom of this story and he joins us live from in front of the restaurant near Coors and Alameda. Eddie? Well, Nicole, Tom, it turns out that this man is a war veteran and is still actively serving. Now, on that day, he had a dog with him, a service animal, which is licensed and protected by federal law. Now, the managers here at Hooters didn't seem to know about that. Because they're ignorant. That's why. That's exactly why. Because they don't know how to handle people of that caliber. Because they see someone with a dog and they automatically must think, Oh gosh, that dog is not trained properly. And I wonder how many of those people think that it's not a real service dog. I just wonder how many people think that at that level. And it's disgusting if they think that way. And when they found out, didn't seem to care. Because they're assholes, that's why. Exactly what they are, they're assholes. We live in a great country. Air Force Master Sergeant Justin Jordan has served his country all over the world for 18 years. But post-traumatic stress disorder began creeping up on him, making every aspect of life torture. Good girl. That was until he met a specially trained English bulldog named Dallas. So many of our veterans are stuck in their home, not being able to go out in public. She gives me the ability to go out in public and, 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 you know, participate in things I hadn't done in a while, you know, go to the park with my kids. Last week, Jordan wanted to see a syndicated radio host who was in town and meeting fans at the Hooters on Alameda and Coors. Yeah, Bubba the Love Sponge. He was, he was in town. He was in Albuquerque for uh, there was some sort of race that was happening that weekend. So so he's uh, um, uh, uh, so he's hanging around. Uh, uh, so he's hanging around that area and he sends out a tweet. He says, hey, uh, um, uh uh, uh, he sends out a tweet. This is this is like this is like late April, I think. Uh, late April 2011. He's just uh, um, uh, he's on Twitter. He sends out a tweet. Hey, Bubba Army, gonna be at uh, the Hooters tonight. Coming out, you know, hang out, have some beers, shoot the shit, watch some baseball, have some fun, man. Coming out, let's hang out, Bubba Army, all that stuff. So uh, uh, 
<clears throat> so Justin's there and a bunch of other people there. They're just hanging out, having a good time, cracking jokes, just having a great time, enjoying the night. And then that's when the fun police show up, management, and then it goes from here. All was going well until management told Jordan to leave because of Dallas. He told me that it was their policy not to allow anyone but blind dogs, and it was apparent that I wasn't blind, so I needed to either go on the porch or leave. Well, that's, you know, that's really just great. I mean, that right there, that right there is a blatant disrespect of our veterans. It really is. So, according to them, only blind people can have dogs like seeing eye dogs people i guess in their eyes aren't allowed to have emotional support animals that must be their mindset i'm not sure if they've i'm not sure if it's changed but it's but it's 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 disgusting it really is jordan called the founder of paws and stripes who trains the dogs to vouch for him he brought the printed forms of the laws and tried to explain them to the manager which met with much belligerence even ripping his business card up when he presented it to them the man that's that is that's disgusting that is disgusting to them the manager called police who sided with jordan <laughs> and and uh 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 Louis bubba told the story on the air is that uh justin was saying all right fine call the cops if you want but they're going to be on my side and sure enough that's exactly what happened <laughs> That totally backfired on them. They wanted to get him to leave, and they were, and the cops were like, "Oh no, 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 no! You guys got it all wrong. This guy has every right to be here just as much as you guys do. Let him enjoy his wings and the beer and the night with his friends and his favorite radio personality, all that stuff. Let the man enjoy himself. Damn it! What the heck happened? <laughs> what was it? Was it not playing? What the Memorial Day? It's, it's, what the heck happened? <laughs> Just, wait, wait, st stand by. But still. There we go. For, 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 for some reason, it must have jumped off. I don't know what happened. That's so weird. It must have, yeah. Anyway. But still. The manager still insisted not serve me. In a statement, Hooters says its policy is to comply with ADA laws and that it's handling the matter internally. <laughs> yeah, bullcrap, which is, which is basically a nice way of saying we don't know what we're doing. But we're, we're going to try and cover our asses by saying that we acknowledge the ADA, but as a matter, but when in actuality, we're not covering all the bases like we should. Okay. Jordan hopes his story will help veterans with service animals of all kinds. There's no doubt in my mind now that I have Dallas. I'm going to beat this. I'm not going to let this overwhelm me and overcome me. Now, Jordan says his attorney will determine what action to take, and the Air Force is staying out of it, calling it a civil matter. And the Hooters management isn't saying whether they're uh, disciplining the managers. Live at Alameda and Coors, Eddie Garcia, KOB, Eyewitness News 4. And evidently, well, to make a long story short, the, uh, uh, it got, to, uh, uh, well, to make a long story short, four years later, uh, it, it, was, it was eventually resolved in court, but, uh, uh, but the way that the management acted was just completely disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful. And, uh, and I also have another clip 
this this is this is this is right this is right from this is this is this is from this is something I came across on uh, Facebook a couple months ago. A friend of mine, uh, Holly, uh, she's been on the program before. Check out the November thirteenth, two thousand and twenty episode if you'd like. Uh, you can hear her uh, tell her story about her uh, travel trailer, and of which uh, should have an update concerning that uh, very soon. Uh, Holly is always welcome on the program. This is a clip of her getting discriminated, like right to her face, right to her face. She's being discriminated against. She, she, she. All, all she wants to do is just go and get this appointment done. But uh, well, she's met with uh, she's met with resistance. So this 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 is just disgusting. That's not that's not how the the laws work. So my service dog is not allowed to accompany. That's Holly right there, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Talking about a service dog, Reagan. Great dog, by the way. Nice puppy. Nice dog. Not allowed to accompany me on the appointment. No. Okay. And the the reason for that? That is, I'm assuming, allergy reasons. That that's not. I don't know. Can I offer you some? Allow them. Can I offer you some um, information to help educate just for future? Okay. Well, I mean, that's something you could take up with our office manager. Okay. By law, they have the right to say no. No, they actually don't. Not due to allergies, they can't. I. That's. Assuming I don't know if that's why, but I do know that they are not allowed in the office. All right, well, contact them, and if that's not, that's actually against the law. So, okay, we'll deal with it out here. Wow, I mean that just goes to show you that just people are just ignorant. People are just people are just ignorant because they don't know how to treat people, and it's 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 disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. It's 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 very very wrong. Now, all that being said, uh, I have a uh, I got a couple of things from uh, the Weird History Channel, and uh, and then that and then that sh- and then that should pretty much uh, wrap up the program. Uh, here's a little uh, here's a little explanation as to what it was like life as a Civil War soldier. Of the 2.7 million soldiers who fought in the Civil War, in over 237 named battles along with a bunch of smaller, albeit bloody, face-offs and confrontations, they all weren't brawny, bearded adult men with wives and slaves back home. I don't get why they say 2.7. 2.7 million. Can't they say, like, 207, I don't know, 2,700,000? That's a little bit easier. If you're throwing the point there, it, it, I don't know, it just, I don't know, it just, I've, I've, I've never understood why... <laughs> I've never understood why, you know, why they, you know, why they do that sometimes in speech when they say 2.6 million or 2.5 million. Is it, is it just, I don't know, is it, is it easier than saying 2,500,000? I, I don't know. Anyway, approximately 420,000 were northern boys under the age of 17, and the South had an estimated 100,000 soldiers under the age of 15. Wow, man. Crazy. Continuing. These boys weren't landowners, and they definitely didn't own slaves. As a matter of fact, it's reported that the teens on both sides of the war had neutral feelings toward slavery. The reason why these kids joined the war was simply that they wanted to escape their dull farm lives at home. Thanks to Abraham Lincoln's call for a short 90-day tour of duty, a Union soldier could enlist, put in his combat time for a few months, and then return home for accolades and a hero's welcome. Eh, okay. Seems like a night, you know, seems like a good deal, right? 
What the Northern soldiers couldn't have predicted was that the Civil War was going to drag out for years. Four years, by the way, from 1861 to 1865. After the Union was driven out of Richmond in the Peninsula Campaign of 1862, the Confederate Army began to march on to Washington. The South was starting to look like they had a chance to win this thing. The South will rise again. Thanks to their peninsula win. That's when Lincoln issued a call for 300,000 more Union soldiers with three-year commitments. Only a fraction of those 300,000 Union soldiers would last their three years of brutal combat. How desperate were the underage boys to join the Civil War and begin living life? Well, there have been a lot of rules to get in. For example, they relied on semantics. Because the rules of combat stated that a soldier must be over 18 to join the military, an underage kid would write the number 18 on the sole of a shoe or stuff a piece of paper with the number 18 scrawled on it and hide it in his boot. Then when the recruiter would ask if the boy was over 18, the future war hero would technically be telling the truth by answering, Yes, I am over 18. Well, that kind of makes sense because you got to figure, okay, 1861, maybe when the guy enlisted, and then, of course, in 1865. So, yeah, technically, you know, I'm, you know, well, in all fairness, in all fairness, this is 18, in all fairness, this is the 19th century. They didn't have wallets with identification cards back then. They, you know, so basically, so basically, if you take the guy at his word, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm 18. Fooled a lot of those guys. If that didn't work, the kids would just lie about their age because social security numbers, driver's licenses, and Spokio didn't exist. <laughs> okay, driver's license, social security numbers, I got those. What? I guess Spokio. Is Spokio like some brand new, uh, I don't know, is, I don't know, is, is Spokio like some new identification thing that I don't know about? If all else failed, the teens just asked their fathers to vouch for them. That said, not all teens carried arms. A lot of the kids signed up for non-combat roles, like joining the band as a drummer, flautist, or bugler. These non-combat roles also included being the kid to carry canteens, bandages, and stretchers. Some of the more skilled soldiers even assisted surgeons and nurses with the wounded and acted as a carrier pigeon by relaying orders on the battlefield. Yeah, you know, they're, they're helping out. I mean, you know, yeah, they're not, you know... Yeah, it's not like they're charging some Confederate guy with a musket or anything, but hey, they're 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 contributing, they're helping out any way they can. William Sherman coined the phrase war is hell in 1879, 15 years after the Civil War, where he served as a general for the Union Army. Sherman knew a great deal about death on the battlefields because he saw a lot of it. For example, on July 1st, 1863, the first day of the Battle of Gettysburg, Confederate soldiers marched onto the battlefield in straight lines toward their enemy. Union soldiers decimated the Confederate soldiers. According to the South's General Alfred Iverson, his soldiers died an honorable death. They nobly fought and perished without a man running to the rear. No greater gallantry and heroism has been displayed. The Confederate soldiers weren't as romantic about death on the battlefield as Iverson was. <laughs> now that's interesting. Did you mean to put it? In fact, it sounded like they were fighting two different wars. Iverson's soldiers would recall huddling in the mud as bullets whizzed above them. One of Iverson's men described the moment when 79 of his fellow soldiers were slain in one volley. Great God, when will this stop? According to the book, Hardy's Rifle and Light Infantry Tactics, soldiers from the North and South were supposed to be taken care of while issued the following. Pork, bread, beef, vegetables, potatoes, peas, hominy, roasted coffee beans, sugar. 
Unfortunately, both sides of the war struggled to supply their soldiers with these basic necessities. The Confederates much more than the Union. Johnny Reb rarely saw any of the aforementioned rations. Instead, the Confederate soldiers subsided on cornbread, coffee, cigarettes, and anything they could steal. Any food the soldiers did get their hands on often became infested with insects, especially rice or grain within days. Oh, man. Man, and just, you know, just, you know, and, and, and in all fairness, in all fairness, on the trip, they had a lot of trash cans to throw that stuff out. So, you know, you know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a catch-22, really. It's like, it's like, well, I'm pretty hungry for this, but it's got bugs crawling all over it. What do you do? Do you eat the bugs or what the, what the heck do, you know? Uh, what happens next? All right, here we go. All this meant that the soldiers had to rely on their cunning to survive. Soldiers would supplement their meager rations by foraging on the land, receiving boxes of food from their families, or trading items with other soldiers, even if they traded with the enemy. Yep, it wasn't uncommon for Union soldiers to trade their coffee with the Confederate soldiers in exchange for tobacco away from the eyes of their officers. Yeah, that's it's 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 kind of interesting. You know, a Union guy trading his, you know, you know, doing the barter system, and uh, and then about I don't know twenty five thirty minutes later, uh, he's uh, he's firing at the same guy with a cannon. Maybe I don't know. Civil War soldiers didn't have much of a chance to live if they were seriously wounded in battle. Pick- yeah, in all fairness, they didn't have uh, you know. Uh, in all fairness, they didn't have the medical technology that they have today. You're keeping the enemy at bay by shooting one round every 20 to 30 seconds. Yeah, hold on. 30 seconds. War soldiers didn't have much of a chance to live if they were seriously wounded in battle. Picture it. You're keeping the enemy at bay by shooting one round every 20 to 30 seconds. But as you pack your musket with gunpowder, you get hit in the stomach by enemy fire. In the 1860s, injured Civil War soldiers on both sides had to just sort of lie on the grassy knoll and play dead where they were shot in the hopes of an ambulance wagon coming by and tending to their wounds. An ambulance wagon? Wow, I didn't know that existed. And I wonder, and I wonder, and I wonder how how long how long were some of those guys waiting for an ambulance wagon to come around? It could probably be five minutes or maybe five days. Who knows? War is hell, as they say. If they were lucky, they had a flask full of sipping whiskey to numb the pain from the hole in their belly. If these soldiers were extra lucky, a horse-drawn ambulance wagon would come by with medical supplies and patch them up. If an ambulance wagon wasn't able to reach a wounded soldier out on the battleground, they would most likely perish. Oh, man. We're not going to sugarcoat it. Getting shot by the enemy with the Springfield Model 1861 musket was bad. But you- <laughs> yeah. In all fairness, I think getting shot by anyone by anything is pretty dang bad. Well, except for a water gun. Those are those are fun. Just anything else, uh, no. Well, okay. Water gun, fine. Nerf gun, fine. BB gun, okay. A little painful. But then you throw in the real gun, ooh, problem. You know what was worse? Disease. The thing is, you might have lived if you were shot, but if you got sick, caught a disease, or developed an infection during what's been called the bloodiest war in American history, you were as good as dead. To put it in perspective, the Union suffered the loss of 44,000 lives from dysentery and diarrhea. Oh, man. Man, and just when you thought, man, and just when you thought dying of dysentery and diarrhea happened on the Oregon Trail and in that video game franchise, but it also happened uh, during the Civil War, too. 
sucks. All right, continuing. To put in perspective, the Union suffered the loss of 44,000 lives from dysentery. That's the equivalent of 10 Gettysburg battles. More men died from disease than anything else during the Civil War. Damn, I didn't know that. Man, that, that, that's something, man. Union Private Theodore Garish wrote this of the Civil War conditions he faced. One of the most disastrous features of the gloomy situation was the terrible sickness of the soldiers. Men were unused to the climate, the exposure, and the food, so that the whole experience was in direct contrast to their life at home. Infection was a major problem because doctors didn't sterilize equipment. During the course of the conflict in its entirety, hospital workers performed amputations on 60,000 men, with at least one in four dying from infection. Oh, man. 60,000 men and one in four dying from infection. Oh, man. It's, all, all this does is just incent, all, all this does is just reinstates the fact that war is hell. We all remember why the Civil War happened, right? What we don't understand is how they thought black Americans were going to help and pitch in to destroy the Union. Because the Confederates were rightly concerned about arming their slaves, Southern black men were enlisted mostly for camp labor. The closest the Confederacy came to recruiting slaves to the ranks came in the last few desperate weeks of the war. In fact, when the Union began enlisting black soldiers, Confederate President Jefferson Davis declared that captured black soldiers would either be enslaved or executed. When a Confederate general suggested enlisting slaves, Confederate leaders scoffed. On March 13, 1865, the Confederate Congress allowed black soldiers to enlist. Wow, that's, uh, wow. And, uh, and knowing the timeline, March 13th, 1865, and then jumping all the way to April 9th, 1865, uh, that's a difference of, let's see, 18, 19, 20, 21, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. That's, that's almost four weeks. That's almost four weeks later, all of a sudden the war ends. So that's like, yeah, that's that's so that's that's twenty seven days basically twenty seven days and then it's over. That that's that 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 had to be that had to be gosh that had to be something without promising their freedom after the conflict ended. Their desperate move made no difference. The war would be over less than a month later. As a Civil War soldier, if you weren't firing your musket at the face of your enemy on the battlefield or sleeping, you were running drills with your troop. Soldiers spent a majority of their waking hours preparing for active conflict by cleaning their firearm and learning drills in combat formations with the occasional stint at guard duty or a long march. Private Theodore Garish of the Union explained how unprepared soldiers were at the very start of the war. We had never been drilled. An untrained drum corps furnished us with music. Each musician kept different time, and each man in the regiment took a different step. We marched, ran, walked, galloped, and stood still in our vain endeavors to keep step. If you were a black soldier and you proved yourself reputable, discrimination in pay was still par for the course in the early 1860s, even if you were defending the Union. Unfortunately, the Union didn't enlist black soldiers until 1862, but recruitment grew further after the Emancipation Proclamation was issued on January 1st, 1863. And the hoops that Lincoln had to jump through to get that thing, uh, um... Uh, uh, to get it going if you ever seen the movie lincoln uh go check that out because there's more to it than just him getting the 13th amendment ratified to the constitution there's more to it than that continuing and while they were getting paid according to the militia act of 1862 black privates were still getting paid a lot less for equal work black soldiers received ten dollars a month with a three dollar optional clothing deduction while in comparison white privates started at thirteen dollars a month and received a clothing allowance of three dollars and fifty cents wow that's wow that that 
that right there is just totally unfair that the African-American soldiers get paid less than the white soldiers and that the white soldiers get 50 cents more in regards to clothing. That is just, that's, that's disgraceful. And I'm just curious, like, like if it's like, if they get $3 and 50 cents or $3 for clothing, like what exactly, like, 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 like how, like how exactly did that work? Was it like, I don't know. Was it like, I don't know, 25 cents for six pairs of underwear or I don't know. 50 cents and you get a dozen socks. If you were one of the hundreds of thousands of soldiers on the front lines, stuffing your musket with bullets and gunpowder and firing every 20 seconds, if you were fast, there's a good chance your arms were useless by the end of the day. The rifled muskets that soldiers on both sides used weighed up to 10 pounds and they would recoil with such force, just firing the thing could put your arm out of commission. Confederate Private Sam R. Watkins described the experience. After undressing, I found my limb all battered and bruised and bloodshot from my wrist to my shoulder, and as sore as a blister. I had shot 120 times that day. Oh my gosh, 120 times a day. So, uh, uh, okay, all right, all right. So you got to think, okay, 120 times a day, and 20 to 30 seconds per each shot. I mean, yeah, that 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 can that can add up. That can add up pretty quickly. These muskets also regularly overheated, making them hard to reload. Wow, man. And also, I wonder, I wonder how much one of these muskets weighed. I just, I, I don't know. They, they, they never say. Hopkins continued, My arm became so hot that frequently the powder would flash before I could ram home the ball, and I had frequently to exchange my arm for that of a fallen comrade. We forgot to mention one thing that soldiers did when they weren't fighting, sleeping, or cleaning the rifle. They read and wrote like it was going on a style. It was really important for soldiers to read everything they could get their hands on and write to their loved ones as often as possible. The soldiers struggled to describe the horrors of the conflict in their letters home. Many thought they could not relate their experiences to civilian audiences, but some tried. Charles Carroll Morey, a captain for the Union, described one skirmish in stark terms. Soon after we arrived on the ground, we were firing, and just after I had discharged my piece at a Johnny's head, I turned to reload. I saw a Reb who had got sight of me across his musket, and I can assure you my legs grew very short in a very short space of time, or else there was a joint in them. That is to say, I dropped down out of his sight just in time to hear his bullet whistle over my head. Then, knowing the danger had passed, I straightened up and finished loading. Maury felt lucky to be alive, writing, I don't know what to say first, but we'll say praise God for his goodness in sparing my life, while so many of our brave comrades have fallen victims to the enemy shots mm. wow yes there you go and uh just uh just a couple more things uh because uh i do have another thing from uh about i, I do have something else in regards to uh, uh life as a civil war prisoner but i can't get to it today because uh, uh i'll probably run out of time but it just uh, real quick uh, in, in regards to how, uh, uh, well, well, when I do this, uh, I do a little, uh, uh, I do a little karaoke now for you. This is uh, this is the song that I was playing uh, coming back uh, from the interlude. This is uh, Coven, and it's called One Tin Soldier, and uh, well. 
I've uh, um, I've always enjoyed the song, and uh, first heard it on an episode of The Simpsons one time, oddly enough, and uh, I just and then uh, 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 well, here is uh, <clears throat> here is my rendition of it. Now it's uh, probably not going to sound as good as uh, the original artist doing it, but I'm doing it because I like the song. Here we go, and a one, two, three, four. Here we go. Listen, children, to a story that was written long ago About a kingdom on the mountain and the valley folk below On the mountain was a treasure buried deep beneath the stone And the valley people swore they'd have it for their very own Go ahead and hate your neighbor Go ahead and cheat a friend Do it in the name of heaven You can justify it in the end There won't be any trumpets blowing Come the judgment day On the bloody morning after One tin soldier rides away So the people of the valley sent a message up the hill Asking for the buried treasure, tons of gold for which they kill Came an answer from the kingdom with our brothers We will share all the secrets of our mountain All the riches buried there Now the valley cried with anger Mount your horses, draw your swords And they killed the mountain people So they won their just reward Now beside the mountain On the dark and red Turned the stone and looked beneath it Peace on earth was all it said. Go ahead and hate your neighbor. Go ahead and cheat a friend. Do it in the name of heaven. You can justify it in the end. There won't be any trumpets blowing to come the judgment day on the bloody morning after. One tin soldier rides away One more time Go ahead and hate your neighbor Go ahead and cheat a friend Do it in the name of heaven You can justify it in the end There won't be any trumpets blowing Come the judgment day On the bloody morning after One tin soldier rides away Alright, so there you go that was my rendition of it. I know I messed up towards the uh, uh, towards the last part of the song, but you know, you know, I like to think, hey, I, I I I got it in, so there you go. Now, now, now I know that uh, now that I've been saying that war is hell, and of which it is. But uh, if 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 there is, there is something that I can take uh, from the great George Carlin, it's that. You can joke about anything as long as there's one good exaggeration, and cartoons provide that 
And this is an excerpt from King of the Hill. This is season one, episode eight. And in this episode, we're introduced to Hank Hill's dad. Hank Hill's dad, Cotton Hill. I killed 50 men, Hank. I got my sins blown off in WW2. So in this in this scene, Hank is hanging out with his beer buddies, Boomhauer, Bill, and Dale. And Hank wants to talk to his dad about the things that his son Bobby has been learning from his granddad because Hank is trying to keep Bobby on the straight and narrow in life and Hank's dad is just completely just he's 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 just he's he's out of control and so this this is so this this is this is him telling the story about him losing his shins to where to where he is five feet even after it happened so here we go hey dad hey if it ain't the old grease monkey all right dad i need to talk to you about some of the things you've been telling bobby i've been telling bobby a lot of things for example i told him how i lost my shins defending our country you want to hear that story fatty sure yes sir bill i'm trying to talk to my i was 14 just a little older than bobby but i knew uncle sam needed me so i lied and signed up we had beat the Nazis in Italy, and they shipped us to the Pacific Theater. A Tojo torpedo sent our troop ship to the bottom. I could only save three of my buddies. Fatty, Stinky, and Brooklyn. They were kind of like you fellas, only one of them was from Brooklyn. Out of the sun came a Tojo Zero and put 50 bullets in my back. The blood attracted sharks. I had to give them fatty. Ugh. Then things took a turn for the worse. I made it to an island. But it was full of Tojos. They were spitting on the U.S. flag, so I rushed them. But it was a trap. They opened fire and blew my skins off. Last thing I remember, I beat them all to death with a big piece of fatty. I woke up in a field hospital, and they were sewing my feet to my knees. Now, what was it you wanted to talk to me about, Hank? <sighs> uh, well, nothing, I guess. Yeah, so, <clears throat> yeah, so there you go. And uh, there's there's something else that I learned from uh, George Carlin. And uh, hold on, let me go and get this excerpt real quick. This is off of his 1990 album, Parental Advisory Explicit Lyrics. And that album, to me... Uh, is very special to me because it was the very first George Carlin album that my dad bought for me. Uh, it was about 20 years ago. Uh, we were at uh, Best Buy, and he says, "Hey, you know, uh, I've, I've told you a lot about George Carlin over the years. Uh, uh, I think you might really like him." And so, uh, uh, so we happened to pick this one up uh, uh, random, uh, randomly, and uh, read the uh, tracks. I'm like, "All right, let's check her out." And, uh, well, there, there's, there's a part uh, towards the end of the special. It's called from his 1990 special, Doing It, uh, Doing it Again. Hold on, let me back up a little bit. Most people know hold on. Most people, most oh, wait, hold on. Okay, so, okay, in this, in, in this routine, he starts off by saying he's not a fan of euphemisms, words that hide the truth. And he gives an example. And even though, even though 
it's a comedy special. It's actual. He actually ends on a very, very serious note. Let's listen. There's a condition in combat, most people know about it, it's when a fighting person's nervous system has been stressed to its absolute peak and maximum, can't take any more input. The nervous system has either snapped or is about to snap. In the First World War, that condition was called shell shock. Simple, honest, direct language, two syllables, shell shock. Almost sounds like the guns themselves. That was 70 years ago. Then a whole generation went by, and the Second World War came along, and the very same combat condition was called battle fatigue. Four syllables now, takes a little longer to say, doesn't seem to hurt as much. Fatigue is a nicer word than shock. Shell shock, battle fatigue. Then we had the war in Korea, 1950. Madison Avenue was riding high by that time, and the very same combat condition was called operational exhaustion. <laughs> hey, we're up to eight syllables now. And the humanity has been squeezed completely out of the phrase. It's totally sterile now. Operational exhaustion. Sounds like something that might happen to your car. Then, of course, came the war in Vietnam, which has only been over for about 16 or 17 years. And thanks to the lies and deceit surrounding that war, I guess it's no surprise that the very same condition was called post-traumatic stress disorder. Still eight syllables, but we've added a hyphen. And the pain is completely buried under jargon. Post-traumatic stress disorder. I'll bet you, if we'd have still been calling it shell shock, some of those Vietnam veterans might have gotten the attention they needed at the time. I'll bet you that. I'll bet you that. Yes. Absolutely yes. And my dad told me that when, when he came home from the war, there was no veteran affairs. There was no VA office to go to. He was in his uniform... And he's using a payphone, and somebody from across the way yelled, hey, baby killer. That's the treatment that our veterans were subjected to. And unfortunately, a lot of people are still subjected to that kind of treatment today. But at least, at least, at least now we have diagnoses that help out. At least they are getting the help that they need. But it's just, it's just, just, it's important to thank a veteran for his or her service. And I'm going to end on, uh, going to end on a, uh, uh, going to end on a fun note. You know, we all need to laugh. We, we, we gotta, you know, we gotta laugh a lot more these days. And this is an excerpt from Artie Lang's Jack and Coke special, which was recorded around this time. 12 years ago wow i feel a little just saying that like in two in two that like like 2009 he, he did this live and and he uh and it was recorded and it was sold to uh it was given to a uh, comedy central to run and it was also made available as uh as uh an audio download and uh it's a really great uh a really great set and Artie talks about his time of going over to Afghanistan when he and uh, Gary Delabate, a.k.a. Baba Bowie, 
uh, Jim Florentine and uh, Dave Attell and Nick DiPaolo all went over to Afghanistan to entertain the troops. And uh, and this this is just if um, uh, uh, this this is already recounting his story, and then that's going to lead into the outrow again, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for letting me do this. Five hundred episodes, hopefully five hundred more, and hopefully more after that. I like doing this. This is this is this is kind of like my own little personal therapy session, sort of. It's 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 very therapeutic for me. It's just it's 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 a lot it's it's a lot of fun sitting behind this microphone and just talking and playing clips and doing voices and whatnot and just it's just it's it's just it's 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 fun for me. I, I enjoy doing it and even though yes, I, I do miss mixing it up with uh, the people who have been on the show before. Uh, I hope to hopefully, uh, I hope to hopefully uh, continue the tradition of. Uh, being able to do this and hopefully uh, adding people to uh, to the program. I mean, if people are interested, I mean that's that's fine. I, I can do it totally by myself, not a problem. But I just I, I I do enjoy mixing it up with other individuals. It's 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 fun to bounce ideas off of people. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, I am Lawrence Ross. Thank you, thank you very much for listening. I greatly appreciate you guys and gals. Thank you. And remember, folks, see with your heart and do good. Until next Friday, bye-bye, everybody, and be good. Be good to each other, and thank a veteran. Good night. So I went over to Afghanistan, actually, speaking of the terrorists. Yeah. I went over there and I did stand up for the troops and they're, they're good men and women, man. They are, they're all right. Yeah. But I made the mistake of going there while I was still on heroin. And Afghanistan is the start of the heroin trail. Guys, it's fresh heroin. And I've never done fresh heroin. I always get the shit that's smuggled into the city. And I'm looking at the fucking mountain while I'm on stage. I'm like, wow, all that fresh heroin's right there, man. I would love to do some fresh heroines, not the smuggled shit. Let me put it to you this way. I would love to do some heroin that a Colombian girl didn't shit out in the Bronx at gunpoint. It's the truth, I didn't make that up, fuck you. But the Marines over there in the Army, they're all like ghetto black kids and redneck white kids. Poor, you know, rich guys start the wars. And if I was a liberal asshole comic, I'd say, like George Bush, he started the war and poor people die. No, rich people start the war. But it, the rich guy who started the war wasn't George Bush. It was Osama bin Laden. That's who started the fucking war. Bush tried to finish it, but he's a retard, so. It's like your buddy in the playground who gets hit and he goes, eh. But 
but uh, yeah, so you know, I mean, I was over there, and and uh, Martin Luther King would love the army. I mean, really, it's 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 all poor black kids and poor white kids working together towards the same goal. Here's let me describe our army over in the Middle East right now. It's black people and white people getting together trying to kill brown people. <laughs> Gotta kill somebody. <laughs> but the Marines guarded me. Like, like, and I had this black kid uh, from Brooklyn guard me. He was a real good 20 year old kid, like in great shape, and he was my bodyguard. He's protecting me. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know about this. I should be protecting him. He's way more important to the world than I am. I mean, come on, this guy's saving our fucking country, and I'm in a basement on 23rd Street telling Mexican jokes. <laughs> should be taking the bullet for him, man. But he was a brave kid, man. He was a black kid and like all about love and helping me out and you know and and what happened was he always did fat jokes about me like he was trying to be funny and I couldn't get mad at him. He's saving my life. I'm like I dealt with the fat jokes. But uh, one time we were under mortar attack. We go on and you know we're going to a bunker cuz mortars are attacking like us, me and Nick DiPaolo. <laughs> Dave Attell and Baba Booey. What are we going to do? I don't know. Yeah, we were, we, we, were, uh, we, we were in trouble. We were getting mortar attacks, so we gave Gary a grenade to throw, and he hit... <laughs> and he, he, missed, he missed the Taliban guy and hit an umpire. What an umpire was doing in Afghanistan, I have no idea. <laughs> Speaking of Richard Simmons, anyway. Fuck you. Pussies. Kidding, I love you all. <laughs> no, so, so we're under mortar attack, and this black kid, he did all these fat jokes about me. So I say to him, hey man, should we be scared right now? It's a mortar attack. And this is a true story. The kid looked at me and went, Adi, I look at this bullshit like this right here. <laughs> if one of these motherfuckers hits you, you just gonna be dust. You ain't gonna feel shit. So who cares, man? You just gonna be dust. And then he pauses and he has to do a fat joke. He goes, you're gonna be a lot of dust. <laughs> and I gotta clean that shit up, so have an apple, motherfucker. Thank you all for coming. There's a coffee and brownies out front. You've been listening to The Lawrence Ross Show. Email the show, blindlawrence at gmail.com. There's a letter in your mailbox. Follow him on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all ending in forward slash blindlawrence. Be careful of the fucking...
Whoa. Check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Lawrence Ross. Become a fan of the show on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Ross 1987 I'll send you a shiny happy ass friend request. Rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes or follow the show on Spotify. Search Lawrence Ross. We're leaving and we will never drink your overpriced runaway root beers again. This week's edition of the Lawrence Ross Show Yikes! has just hit the brakes. Keep your ugly fucking gold brickin' ass out of my beach community. You lose! Good day, sir! I was making radio shows for fun. Everybody does it. Everybody I know does. Shut up! And baba booey to y'all. <laughs>